one. What is up, Warrior Soul Nation? Welcome to another edition of War- the Warrior Soul Podcast. I am uh, pleased and honored to bring on a Marine that I actually served with, uh, Mr. Robert Hyde. And Rob and I, we go way back uh, a long time. Um, we're fellow, uh, what do you call Connecticut people? Yankees? Connecticut Yankees? Nomegers, Yankees. Yeah. yeah. Constitutionalists. Constitutional, all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, so we're both from the great state of Connecticut and, and, um, Rob, um, Rob is currently running for Senate in, in the, in the great state of Connecticut. Um, we're going to get a bit into his story. I want to talk about his background. Um, he's become very successful both in business, uh, in, in his post-military life, uh, and now in the political realm. So Rob, welcome to the Warrior Soul podcast, man. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me. So, dude, um, you know, I guess the big question is this, um, you know, well, let's start, let's start with your background first and then, then we'll get into it. So, so what made you decide to join the Marine Corps? Wow. You're going back 23 years. I'm going to go back there. Yeah. I want to know that. Years. Yeah. So what made me join the Marine Corps? The recruiter with the poster that says, I don't promise you a rose garden on his desk. Staff Sergeant Warner, Waterbury, Connecticut. I walked into his office. He was like the biggest, baddest person I've ever come across. Mm-hmm. And he's like, sign the dotted line or you're a, a wuss. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was kind of how it was back then. I, the dragon got me, man. Like friggin' that, that commercial with the dragon where he slays the slays the dragon. And then all of a sudden, like the the dress blues come on them and all that stuff. That, that, that shit was awesome. But um, yeah, man. So, so we served together for a while. Um, you know, what would you think of everything back then? Our, our whole deployment, everything like that. What, what was your take on everything? Well, I got a huge take on everything, Chris. Thank you. It's like a little reunion here. So first off, the, the recruiter wasn't the reason I joined the Marine mm-hmm. Corps. I scored in the top 1% of the ASVAB and the Navy was going to have me go do nuclear biological chemical school in Hawaii. And as I was waiting to sign those papers, you know, I just, all my family were Marines, Mm -hmm. everybody. So, you know, I was always, I've always been wicked proud. And so I, I took the time and I just went to look at the Marine Corps. And that's when I bumped into that staff sergeant who I met in Waterbury and, uh, you know, they do kind of promise you not a rose garden, but they were like, oh, yeah, you could do school. We'll put you here. We'll put you there. You can have your choice location of your, you know, your, your, uh, where you're going to be based and all this. And, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of why I joined the Marine Corps was my whole family were Marines. And I felt obli- kind of obligated to follow the route. Mm-hmm. I felt everything else was, was substandard compared to the Marine Corps. So I did the Marine Corps. That's cool. That's yeah, cool. it was pretty cool. I did, um, <clears throat> I came in first in a bunch of things in the Marine Corps Reserve School of Infantry. And I remember the SEALs flew out to Hartford to try to recruit me for Bud School. And it was, uh, it was interesting. It was probably the only regret I ever had was not doing Bud School. They flew out to, to uh, Hartford. I came down, met with them, three SEALs, officer and two two enlisted and they offered me 50 grand to fly out to um, 
think it was like Michigan. Oh, get, yeah, yeah. To get new uniforms. Mm-hmm. And then they were going to fly me to bud school. And I didn't do it. I came this close. They could have probably said I did it because I touched the dotted line with the pad. But I asked them a question. You know, what happens if I drop out of buds, if I break my leg on the O course? I'm like, ah, oh, you know, we'll send you away to somewhere and you'll do rehab and we'll bring you back and you can try again. Okay, what happens when I break my leg again? They're like, oh, we scrub aircraft carriers for eight, eight years. I'm like, eight years? They're like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, ah, I'm going to college. And they're, yeah. they're like, you mother trucker. So that that's the thing, man. Like, if you feel that, you're, 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 you're on a boat. <clears throat> you know, there's not much else you could do, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, at least in the Marine Corps, if you, if you like fail selection for, for MARSOC, you, you know, you're back in the infantry, but, but you feel there, you're on a boat, uh, which isn't the worst thing in the world, I guess, but, you know. Yeah, eight years. <laughs> eight years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We did like what three months? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let me ask you this, dude. So, so you know, you're in the Marine Corps. You're you're a great Marine. You're a great shot. You were you were excellent at PT. Um, but you went on and and you did really well in business, right? So 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 tell us a little bit about that. What was it like um, going from the Marine Corps, going into business, and 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 kind of making a name for yourself there? So it was pretty easy to transition, you know, because like you said, we were top gun, devil miss launcher, you know, expert everything. We hit the ranges. I don't, I don't know what year you came in. What I was in, I came in 99. Okay. What, what month? June. So I went to boot camp in June, June 1st, 1999. And I got out, I think it was the first week of September of 1999. So. so you came to that unit like December? Um, I think my first drill was, <laughs> oh God, man. Like, I think it was September, October, sometime like that. Yeah. Wow. So you, okay. So you came right out of the school of infantry. Yeah. Like a week out. Okay. Yeah. Interesting stuff. So no, that's great. Um, so like you, man, you just put your head down and go. I mean, there was, you know, there was times where I skipped things, did things to make other ends work. Um, that's, that's how we conquered. You adapt, you overcome, make the best of your situation. And I did that like the best of them. Yeah, man. So like, yeah, you, I mean, you developed like, you had like a, a multi-million dollar company in Connecticut. You pretty, pretty, really successful there. Um, you know, and, and, you know, the big thing I remember about you is, is after you got out, you, you immediately started trying to help veterans around Connecticut and, and, you know, started raising money, started, started really trying to help guys who, who were dealing with a lot of shit. And, um, you know, you, 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 you were a, a, a big force in getting a lot of things together um, for veterans in that state, right? Yeah, that's a, that's a great memory. <clears throat> so I did that Corvette raffle for the Marine that lost his legs. Mm-hmm. I did that big charity ball for all the Marines going back to Afghanistan. I donated 130,000 Girl Scout cookies that were donated to me to the VA. 
uh, both VAs in Connecticut, West Haven and Newington. Um, good memories. Yeah, I, lo I loved actually putting together those charity raffles and stuff for the Marines that, and it seemed to help. It was, it was odd. I mean, those were odd times because, you know, you do something like that in your downtime, right? I always had like that month of downtime between March and May. And I was like, all right, we're going to focus on my manpower while we're waiting for the ground to freeze, unfreeze, or the snow to go away, spring to sprung. And I put a lot of my ground troops just going door to door, knocking, collecting emails, signatures, money. And uh, that's how we did it. I mean, it was pretty good. That raffle I did for Greg Karen, I actually wanted to take that national because it was so easy for me to develop. All those things I did in 30 days. Right. I put together every everything I ever did in 34 days was the max. 31 days for that Corvette raffle. And it was pretty cool because we raised 75 grand in 30 days, you know, from from idea to to pulling the winning ticket. Right. 30 days. So it was pretty cool. So we came up with it. The V the VFW and Avon Connecticut by post. Uh let me use their 501 C three and uh which was nice of them. And, you know, there's rules of Connecticut, a lot of rules. So, like, you had a, a, a raffle machine that was certified by the state. Mm -hmm. I printed up. And my costs were so cheap on that. I was going to take that national yeah. because it was so simple. It was so easy to do and do, like, a community for heroes kind of thing. So, we raised 20 grand after the cost of that Corvette, which I think the dealer gave to me for, like, 43 and 53 and change. Mm -hmm. And... And I sold 750 tickets at a hundred dollars a piece, right? 75 grand. Yeah. And Greg Karen pulled the winning ticket. Yeah. Yeah. And it was kind of cool. Cause it was, uh, did you buy a ticket? I believe I did. It was a while ago. I think but you yeah. did too. That's yeah, why yeah. I, I think you did too. So yeah, it was a while ago. I actually, hey, thanks for bringing that up. I'm actually looking at the, I just pulled it out like a couple of weeks ago. I'll, I'll pull it up for you in a second, but. Yeah, it was so cool because you. I raised, we handed him a check for 20 grand. Actually, mm -hmm. I forgot. Somebody's like, Rob, don't you got to give him some money or something? After he pulled the ticket. So I gave him the check. I'm like, and it was cool. The check for 20 grand, Greg Karen, it seemed to make a world of difference. You know, we went golfing. I took him golfing in the morning. Uh-huh. Got to learn him a little bit because I didn't know much about, about him. I just heard about it, you know, because I think he got in after I got out of our unit. Right. And um, Can you explain for the audience what happened, what happened to him. Sad story. So, so I don't know the whole thing. I got an article around here somewhere, but as I can recall, so it, he was leaving to come back home the following week mm -hmm. and it was a Sunday and they requested, you know, a team to go recon a house and uh, Ford observe a house. And Karen's like, you know what? It's my last weekend. I'll go. Took the place of another Marine, his team. They went to this house and forgive me if I have this story wrong, but this is a story I remember. And they sent in a canine. The canine cleared the house. Karen went in. Karen was like, yeah, I got this Marines. Went in, even though he was the team leader, went in, stepped on a, a pressure pressure switch in the floor under a board, blew off, one, blew off his legs, mm -hmm. and he almost rolled over on another one, but saw it just in time, stopped, and, and that was it. But it was the week he was coming home. And uh, the kid, the kid was uh, the Marine was all New England soccer, amazing because I had some of my my friends and families I've grown up grew up with, 
come to me and be like, wow, this is really great. You're doing this. My kids used to play soccer with him back in the day. He was one of the best soccer players in Connecticut. So, I mean, it was just a sad story, but the kids got such a heart. I mean, you should have them on your podcast. There was a, <clears throat> so like looking into them, I just heard about it. So I'm like, I'm going to do this for this Marine without like even asking. Right. Right. Then I asked, he's like, yeah, please do it. So I did it. And he was in Walter Reed recovering, re- rehabilitating while I was doing this. And, um, Interesting story. I, t- I took him. He's like, yeah, I play golf like every day. I'm like, all right, let's play golf that morning. So that morning we went and played golf. The kid was amazing at golf. Yeah. Right. I remember yeah. him in the parking lot swapping legs. Right. Swapping right. his legs for like golf legs, mm-hmm. like special made orthopedic golf legs. And I was like, wow, this is interesting. I'm like, he's like, I got like six different pairs of legs. So, you know, Chevy did a big thing for Marines. And service members that got service disabled injuries. I mean, I think the Tahoe, they gave it to for like 20 grand or something. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, fully prepared. And I guess there's a golf course right on Walter Reed. That's why I was so good at golf. He literally was playing golf every day. Right. And it, it, and that's kind of like, it's what I want the audience to know about you. You know what I mean? Because like you've done a lot of stuff that people just don't talk about. You know what I mean? You've helped a lot yeah. of people and yeah. like, you know, politics are what they are, right? People could Google you. They'll find, find a bunch of, bunch of BS up there and things like that. But like, what I want the audience to know is, is that this Marine has, has helped a buttload of people, um, you know, way before he had any aspirations for any of this stuff, you know, that's awesome. That's awesome. He's shown up, uh, shown a certificate, um, win this Corvette tickets, a hundred dollars each. And for you to put those resources together that quickly, I mean, like, that's that's pretty insane, man. Yeah, that was, uh, you know, that's like, that was one of our slash banners. I had my ground, you know, my workers at the time while they were, you know, getting back into the year for work from snow mm-hmm. in Connecticut. They were hanging those posters in businesses up and down 44 in Connecticut. Right. And that was like another thing I had my, my workers do for me. We'd call, ask. They'd go put up, hang up these banners. We did well. We sold it. We sold that quite quick. It was, uh, it was interesting. It was good. Was that, so was that the first time, like, had you ever done any philanthropy before that or anything like that? Or like, yeah, that big one. Remember I had that huge party I threw? I had 550 mm-hmm. people come. Right. For America for our Marines. Yeah. Yeah. And I raised like a hundred grand there for the Marines going overseas to Afghanistan to support them with like, Whatever they needed, I just gave them the money. So socks, toiletries, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, no, this felt really good. And it was so simple because everybody wants a Corvette for a hundred bucks, right? Right, right. Yeah. And I remember him pulling the ticket and all my, you know, you see in the audience, like my friends that bought five, 10 tickets. And they're like, oh, you son of a gun. I didn't win, right? But yeah. it was cool that he pulled that ticket. What was even cooler was the dealership I made the deal with to do this was selling tickets too. Right. And not for nothing, but that winning ticket, the dealer actually sold. So I came out of there smelling like an angel because everybody's like, ah, oh, Rob, rig this. It was pretty funny. So that's, you know, that's a lot. <laughs> so so that so that's the crazy thing. Like the, the Marine you were trying to help was the guy who won the raffle too, right? No, 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 no. Uh, similar, okay. similar, similar, I wish. I bought him 10 tickets. 
Gotcha. So out of my pocket, he didn't know. I bought him 10 tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I could have even bought him 20 tickets. Um, but no, it was, it was a lady, something stouch. It's an article, won the thing. And they, they came down. I called them because their number's on the back of these big raffle tickets I had made. They came down to the dealership. And it was funny because as she pulled in, I ran up to her, you know, because I gave the call and I knew where they lived. I knew how long they were coming. And it was 95 degrees that day and there was a hundred people in the parking lot. So nobody was pulling in on a Sunday. Right. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, they pulled in, I ran up to her and I'm like, Hey, I'll give you 20 grand right now for your Corvette. She's like, nah, she didn't even know who I was. It was perfect. So just in front of the TV crews, I walked up to her while she sat in her Corvette. She had no clue who I was. And I'm like, do you know how to drive stick stick? She's like, no, I have no idea. I'm like, Oh, Okay. And she's like, who are you? And it was perfect. I'm like, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. Oh, God. It was was cool. That was a cool one, Chris, because because it was so easy to do, right? Mm -hmm. So you could implement this into, I was going to do it. Um, And I made up a thing, USMCA. And it was like United States military. Um. Military something association, and I was going to actually transition into that a five hundred one c three, but I just I didn't take the time to do it. But I, I've always wanted to do it. Felt so good to give Greg that check for twenty grand, uh, see that lady drive away and her, you know, new Corvette. She didn't even know how to drive. It was pretty cool. It was good, and it was nice to bring the community together quickly for that, you know, and to like, and it was nice. The dealership had a couple guys grilling. Mm-hmm. They threw that in, which was really nice. We had a DJ from 92.5, one of the local big state radio stations, Connecticut, volunteered to DJ the event. Um, You know, and it was nice to bring the community together quick because you were able to implement that so easily into any car dealership throughout the world, throughout throughout the United States. Mm -hmm. You could sell X amount of tickets, give a hometown hero, cop, fireman, teacher, Maybe even just somebody that fell off the roof of their house, broke their back, that's supporting a family solo. Uh, you were able to help bring a community together real quick to help somebody in need. And it was like a win-win because not only are that, but you're supporting the local economy and you're supporting the United States economy with the core of that. So yeah. it was, it was, it was really cool. It was really cool, really easy to do. Little liability, you know, no drinking really, unless somebody was doing it in the parking lot or something. Right. Um no open bars, none of that stuff. Nobody throwing on suits and tuxes and uniforms. So, yeah. so it worked well and you, and you can sell those. We sold those tickets quick. So yeah, I'll, I, I'm going to actually, I want to talk to you about that offline too, because like I've been running comedy benefits down here, trying to raise money and we raise good money for it, for the benefit. <clears throat> but if we could implement something like that and include a car raffle in there, that'd be that'd be amazing. Cause we're, we're helping out charities too, man. And, and, uh, yeah, I really appreciate you for, for doing stuff like that, man, because like you've done stuff like that for our unit too. You, you know, you've organized a bunch of balls, you've, you've done a whole bunch of stuff too, but I want to ask you, man. So, so when did you decide to get into politics? Like, like what was the, the triggering moment for you? It's an ugly world. Yeah. 
a great question. So there were two. One I'm going to talk about. One was with their botched Afghanistan withdrawal, the way they left our Marines, 12 Marines to die, and 26 others got severely injured. That was like when I was like, all right, I got to take this seriously, right? So I put my health aside. I put all my business aside, and I gave it a good shot here running for U.S. Senate. Now I got three other people in my way that started before me. You know, so right now I'm like fourth out of sixth running for U.S. Senate, according to the polls and the convention we just had and stuff like that. So this might lead to a rollover where I go after Senator Murphy's seat um, in 2024. But the Blumenthal seat, I've been itching for it for a long time. But uh, on a real note, I think the Afghanistan withdrawal, leaving our enemies, that military hardware, um, giving Ukraine another $56 billion in funds when we literally a 1,000 miles south have all that military hardware we could have supplied them. Right. Um, it's tough. With the school shooting yesterday, and you see it with the school resource officers, they could provide it for these schools that Senator Murphy actually led the legislation against and the removal of those SROs in 2020. So it's, you look at what the Democrats have done to this country, our brothers and sisters, everybody in the military, and it's, it's absurd. Um, and I think that, that was pretty much why I decided on why everybody to run for office that has an itch. Because right. none of these politicians are better than anybody else. None of them. They all put on their pants the same way as you. They all bathe the same as you, right? Congress, Senate, mayors, teachers, boards of that, sheriffs. They were never meant to be career. Well, sheriffs, maybe teachers, definitely, but were never meant to be career positions, right? Term limits should have been put in place on a state, federal, and municipal level. Two years. There should be two-year term limits, like President of the United States, the governors. There should be a two-year term limit for all politicians because there's nothing in there but special interest and whatever helps their friends and families. There's, there's, they're not helping Americans. As you've seen, as you can see, America is last right now. We got a non-politician Trump in there for a four-year term. Before COVID, so a three-year term, things were the best they ever were in this country. You never had a better. Gas was cheap. Energy was cheap. Jobs were great. Low inflation numbers, low un- unemployment numbers across the board. It was beautiful. We had no new conf- conflicts. We didn't lose one military personnel to enemy in eight, the last 18 months of tr- Trump's presidency. I mean, there was a lot going for President Trump. So I want to bring back America first policies to America, put America first, work on the border, energy independence, mandates, no mandates, um, election integrity and security. And uh, I want to get the CRT and transgender stuff out of the classroom. I want to get the men out of the female sports, but I think there's a lot to do now. Now you're going to see school security as a huge thing in in the United States. Well, let's, let's talk about that issue because like, you know, I was thinking about it today, man. I, 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 uh, that top shooting up in upstate New York and, and, and this latest shooting in, in, uh, in Texas, um, you know, we've, we've got these soft targets out there, right? And there's a lot of people who immediately jump to accusing the the gun manufacturers, gun store owners, and gun owners themselves of being complicit in all this. I'm a I'm a proud gun owner. 
I, I own several AR platforms. I carry a pistol with me wherever I go. And the reason I do it is not to intimidate anybody. It is not to hurt anybody. It is to be very vigilant about what's going on around me. And God forbid a tragedy like that occurs. I want to have the tool in my hands to be able to do something about it. Um, or at least attempt to do something about it. I feel like we're seeing more and more of these school shootings um, coming from, from people with, with severe mental illness, people who, who the system has in, in many ways failed. Um, and, and, you know, I think that, that this is not the last, but my fear is that the Washington elite are focusing so hard on the political issue of guns that they're not focusing on the real answer here. What, what's your take on that? <clears throat> I think there's a lot of avenues you got to approach to this. One, you got to step up school security, school resource officers, uh, metal detectors. Uh, I think I saw a news flash today that the door wasn't locked, supposed to be locked, and that's in schools. Um, I think you need to start off with the basics, right? Security, and then implement it into guidance counselors. We're definitely missing missing civics, you know, trades, guidance counselors. Um, you have a lot of this, like, grooming going on in schools, and I'm not sure. I mean, you saw the internet the last day too, maybe 36 hours with pictures of this kid supposedly, but then they're saying they're false. I'm not sure where that is right now, but you're seeing a lot of definitely areas of mental health awareness that should be taken, taken on anything. But I'm against pharmaceuticals. So I've seen more damage done with psychotropics than I have with, let's say, natural, you know, natural, holistic medications. And I mean, like, I've seen Marines blow their brains out that have been on psychotropics. And I've seen Marines totally function, maybe not well, and like, I don't mean it not well. I mean, like, I've seen Marines totally function every day smoking marijuana. Right. right? And putting their problems and their PTSD and whatever else they have on the back burner when they smoke marijuana rather than doing psychotropics. I've seen more pros and <clears throat> the cons. So when you say you want to tackle this with like mental health and stuff, it's, uh, I think there's a, huge avenue where we need to get back to the basics in love of God country and put religion back in schools, put the pledge of allegiance back in school, something for people to be proud of. Uh, maybe start teaching like an NRA course in schools. Um, but the mental health thing is hard for me to, to say because I've seen a lot of damage done with psychotropic drugs. Well, so, so when you want to pack, go ahead. Well, and I'm sorry to interrupt you here. Like, I don't think it, I think drugs, I I'm with you on that. Right. Like I, I'm more, 
I've worked most, a lot of the charities I work with are more about holistic healing, right? Helping people to, to, to heal their brains at the root cause, right? The warrior angels foundation is, is doing amazing work with that. Um, uh, heroic hearts they're they're taking veterans and 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 putting them through ritualistic healing and things like that and i've seen amazing results from that and i'm with you i think that 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 you know these ssris they're not doing the trick i think pumping kids full of meds isn't doing the trick but one of the things you're getting at here is like there's a loss of community around our country right now so a lot of these kids they're they're growing up without any mentorship, without anybody to, 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 to lay a hand on their shoulder and, and, you know, help them along their way. Um, I feel like kids are probably more lonely now than they have ever been, even though we're supposedly so much more connected around social media. And I think that that in turn also makes people more lonely. Um, so, so is there anything like, you know, I think I, I, and maybe this is a really, really tough thing for us to solve in general but do you think that that it's bringing back the religion and bringing back the values do you think that's a a, a um, an answer to the larger question of of this loss of community that we've had here in the country yes but i think you need to add on onto that like sports mm-hmm. right physical fitness phys- physical education right i think there's a huge divider there for when people stop <clears throat> they're not, they don't have to play sports anymore. There's no activity, like you said, like camaraderie or, or you know, learning what it's like to work as a team, playing with others, interacting with others. So I think we need to bring that back too. I think that would be another positive to bring back to the table. Um, I think it all stems with like schools and what they're trying to groom these kids nowadays, that it's okay to be bisexual, transgender, you know, they have the books, they have the CRT curriculum. It's pretty hard now to go to school in third grade and they're teaching you, you know, it's okay if you want to be a woman. It's kind of interesting here in Connecticut because I I feel like this is the place that all, all the transgender policies originate from Connecticut. Blumenthal spearheaded 2019, the two men playing in the female sports in the high school. And it's, and I feel like from what I've come across in the last month and a half that I've helped parents, it's called parents choice. There's a survey that parents are by law supposed to get. It's to opt out. It's an opt out survey. And in these schools that I help the parents just secure that form, which is a state and federal law, in the, in the town of Bethel was that they were trying to feed the kids 170 transgender question survey through ADL, which is the American defamation league, which was funded by Obama. Okay. So what they do in Connecticut is that they drafted up legislation to separate the board of education and the, and the, the mayors and the first selectmen. So now they can just implement this curriculum. If ADL comes to your board of ed and they go, look, we'll give you 30 grand. If you feed the survey to your students, and they, were, they accepted it, and it was a four-hour closed-door survey, no recording devices. Parents were denied the curriculum for 11th graders, and it was a 170-question transgender survey, which is kind of odd. So it's kind of odd that you got this stuff going around, screwing with, but to get to the bigger note, what I'm trying to relay here is on the campaign trail, I've come across now several people that have told me, like, here's one story, for instance. I've heard seven of these now. 
that this young girl, after they were done taking pictures with me with their, all the firemen, she was the wife of a fire guy. And she goes, Rob, I, I really appreciate what you're doing with the parents and for the teachers. Cause right before that, I was going down to, to fight for this nurse that whistle blew on the teachers in Hartford for giving the students hormone blockers behind the parents' back, right? They were giving an eight-year-old. Yeah, so she's like, I really appreciate what you did. My sister-in-law, this is her, my sister-in-law brought their eight-year-old to Washington State to this camp and paid for it to be chemically castrated in this transgender camp. So they brought their kid, their eight-year-old kid that was, you know, going through a Tom girl phase possibly or a tomboy phase. Uh-huh. to a camp in Washington and paid for it to be chemically castrated. Now, I don't know about you, but those hormones that they just took that away from that kid. So now he turns 18, 20, he's full, almost fully developed and he has no clue what it is. He's just right. confused and lost because he's got no hormones. Well, yeah, you man. See, you see a lot of this developing now where they're taking this away and they're leaving these communities Um you know, impacted for their, like, their, like, you know, their their LGBTQ that they're pushing on to these communities when they should be implementing the basics. Right. Right. God country. Yeah. And I mean, let me, let me say this. Cause like, so I was raised by a same sex couple, right? Like I, I had two moms growing up. Um, and like, you know, I, I, feel for the LGBT community, right? I think that, 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 you know, same-sex marriage, all, I think that, that gay, lesbian, trans people, they, they, they should be afforded the same rights and, and privileges as everybody else. At the same time, I, being somebody who was raised by a same-sex couple who, who, you know, has, has many gay friends who, who, you know, um, has looked at what they've gone through over the last, you know, century. Um, I don't think that teaching kids these things or, or, or giving a, a, anybody under the age of 18, the opportunity to, to change their gender before their brain's fully cooked. And you, your brain isn't really fully cooked until you're 26. I think that kind of defies um, logic in, in my head. Right. And, and, you know, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm more liberal than you on the, on the, the whole subject, but I also think that you're, you're in the right place with what you're doing. And, and I, I fully agree with governor DeSantis. I live in the state of Florida. I agree with governor DeSantis because what the media has essentially done is they taken a piece of legislation that's trying to protect children, give parents the, 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 the right to, to have a hand in, in teaching their children the way that they want to be taught. Um, it's trying to protect them from having that right taken away. It got labeled as this thing called don't say gay, where, where it doesn't say that at all in the bill. Um, it's, it's not, it's not, you know, um, limiting gay people. It's not limiting trans people or anything like that. It's just saying, we don't want this taught in our elementary schools, you know, and I think that's common sense. It should be common sense. Right. And, and so, you know, again, I think that, that, you know, what you're saying, I, like I said, I might be a little more liberal with you on the subject, but I think common sense people like me are coming to a point now 
where there can't be another answer here, right? You, 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 if you, if you're going to chemically castrate an eight-year-old, there's no way I can ever get on board with that as a saying, you as a moral human being, because I know what the science is on brain health. And I know that your, your, your brain is not fully developed until you're 26 years old. And, and to have that kid go to the age of 18 and, and wake up when he's 25 years old and wondering what the hell he did and that, that he never really had a choice. We have, and, and I, I'll let you respond in a second, but we also have this issue with, with um, student loans. And what a lot of people on the other side are saying is that an 18 year old shouldn't be making decisions financially that'll affect them the rest of your life. Well, why should a six year old be making decisions about their gender that is going to, to chemically castrate them for the rest of their lives? You know? Thousand percent. Good one. Good analogy. I like that with the student loans. Thank you. Yeah, man. Yeah. So I'm with you on, on, on so much of this stuff. Why do you think it it got like that? Is it, how do we get here? I guess is the answer because like so many people are looking at, at our society and being like, dude, like, like, did I wake up in the twilight zone episode or something like that? Like, how do we get here? A great question. So I think um, I think everything just goes back to opportunity. So when you look at like governments with BLM, Antifa, and these policies, you'll see that a lot of it just comes back to opportunity and money. What I mean by that is that that famous Chinese proverb, uh, where there's chaos, there's opportunity right. and the art of war, right? So what I see is if you want to step this back quickly is Merrick Garland's our attorney general of the United States. He basically wrote a memo to the FBI that was leaked to the public that basically designated any parent that questioned CRT or anything SEL, which is the transgender stuff to label him as a domestic terrorist. In the meantime, at the same exact time, his son-in-law, the founder of Penguin Publishing, supplies the curriculum to 24 states department of education. So, and they raised $73 million at the same exact time last November for CRT curriculum into our public school systems. So what you see is like these politicians and lifelong career opportunists take advantage of these chaotic moments and make a ton of money. So I think like they structure this stuff almost to hit and then have everybody else deal with it. Right. And it's tough because they use our, they weaponized our, our agencies, the FBI, the CIA, I don't know, 17 different intel agencies. And we basically work at the hand of the government. So, you know, and they all come out and get sweetheart deals, $10 million work at this hedge fund and stuff like that. Right. Uh, directors, you know, director Comey of the FBI was working at black, black, black rock for $10 million his first year. His brother's the president of Hartford hospital. I mean, you see a lot of these sweetheart deals, but I think that's what it comes back to is, is basically opportunities. And we let the liberals take over the boards of education and all the school, all the, all the, all, all the positions within like the towns. And it's hard to combat that. I mean, you know, cause you do want your kids to be, you know, you want your kids to be, you know, open-minded and everything. But when they're forcing it down their throats, 
Yeah, no, it's not cool. I, and I agree with you 100%. When you surgically castrate, there's no coming back from that. Right. You're not coming back. I mean, you're done. I mean, you can never come back and be like, I'm a man. They took that yeah. from you. Yeah. They took that yeah. from you without you being fully aware, like the age of 18. You're a man. You have your freedom, your bill of rights. Then I think you have all the rights to do whatever you want with your body. Go ahead. But to take it from an eight-year-old that could be going through a tomboy or tomboy phase is definitely, um, you know, that's pretty sad. Right. Right. And it could yeah. potentially lead to things like suicide later in life. I mean, like or the school shooting. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, you know, I want to, want to talk about foreign policy, obviously, because a lot of our audience is, is veterans and, and we're going through this thing with Russia and Ukraine right now. Um, and I think a lot of people believe that, you know, our, our rivals in the international realm, like China and Russia are looking at us right now. And they believe that, you know, this, this whole attack on Ukraine is, is kind of a result of opportunism. Um, we're in a mess, regardless of how you look at it, right? Like, like things are absolutely crazy. What do we do to get out of this situation in, in, in your mind? That's a tough question. Yeah. So, Look, we got to stop Russian aggression, mm-hmm. but without causing World War III. So I believe we're on this, basically the right path. I would just provide as much humanitarian aid as possible. Um, I mean, they basically handed them Ukraine to give yeah. them a pipeline, the Nord Stream 2, right? Russia's mm-hmm. economy is basically 65% of the Russian economy is built off of oil. Um you did, they didn't sanction them. Actually, Blumenthal voted against Senator Cruz's sanctions in November on Nord Stream 2. Uh, they shut down American energy independence, so we're relying on foreign oil and energy. Um, it's tough to say on, a, in, on an international scale like that. So, And to answer that correctly, I would have to resort to you know the experts that I'd surround myself with mm-hmm. how to combat that professionally because there's, there's a lot of intel there that you have to take into account um i think i think it's a total disaster whatever is going on over there i mean we have we've already given them 56 billion in aid in the last six months um that's more than we provide for our roads and bridges here in the united states yearly um that's obviously more than we provide for our schools uh security yearly um it's it's tough to say chris so i mean i I believe we should be fulfilling non-stop humanitarian aid but militarily, it's a tough question. I have to resort to experts on that. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you on that. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, try to give whatever aid we can, but I, I'm the last person who wants World War Three happening. You know, I, I don't think it would end well for, for any of us. And, you know, one of the things I was like, when, when all this kind of started, I was looking at people and, and they're calling for us to do something, calling for us to step in. And I'm like, do you even understand what you're saying? You know, and, and it, 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 it's not that simple, right? <laughs> like you're playing with people's lives and, and, you know, potentially, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands of lives. So, um, yeah, let me, um, what about, so let's talk about the gas prices. Um, how, how, how have we gotten to, you know, the ridiculous prices we're paying right now? 
triple. It's basically triple what I was paying, quadruple what I was paying, almost quadruple what I was paying two years ago mm-hmm. for diesel. I think it's six seventy five a gallon in Connecticut. Um, I mean, we got to keep drilling, open up the leases, renew the leases, mm-hmm. renew them, and and uh, sign off on new leases. I mean, we have more black gold under America than anywhere else in the world. Mm-hmm. So I, I say keep producing more energy here at home. You know, I'm sure you got Warren Buffett with some kind of lock on why, you know, our, our pipelines were shut down and they're transporting oil and gas throughout the United States. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. I, I know there's a transition to the green energy, but it's, it's like they're forcing it down everybody's throat. So there's definitely like a lot of uh, probably energy electric lobbyists to do with with this but it's uh it's nasty the way they've shut down industry and jobs and energy independence in the united states so i think we got to reopen all that go back to where zinke at the department of interior have you interviewed no i haven't no i'll forward you his cell phone he's a great dude he's running for congress he's gonna win again that's awesome um yeah, I think you got to do that because he was secretary of the Department of Interior. Be cool. And he and he signed off and made us basically energy independence with President Trump. So it was basically Zinke, his cabinet, and uh, President Trump uh, that helped make America the lowest gas prices we've had in 20 years. So it was nice, right? When you yeah. didn't think about filling your gas tank, food was cheaper. Everything relates to energy prices, fertilizer. Mm-hmm for farming, farming. So it'd be nice to bring that back. Yeah. For our country and, and focus on that, our energy independence for sure. <laughs> so a um, couple more questions, man. And and these are things that, that, you know, I really want to ask to, to have, you know, the audience kind of get to know you, what your strategy is going to be. Um, the first question is this, man. Um, so typically, the Republican party has not done well with, with black and minority voters. Um, I see that hopefully, you know, changing in some ways, right. Um, you know, I'm seeing more and more, um, black influencers who, who are, who are supporting Republican candidates. I'm, I live in Florida where the Latino vote is, is largely Republican. Um, how does, the Republican party reach those voters? How do, how do they, um, how do you convince them that those voters that, you know, the Republican party is a better choice? Great question. You probably know that answer to that a lot better than I do at this point of the game, just because your community down there is thriving with Latino, Latino, uh, blacks, minorities, um, compared to where I'm at in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. So, but I think what you think that they're smarter than most people and they see, and they feel the same thing you and I do when they go to the gas station, they feel, you know, $30 fill up their cars. Now they're feeling it's 80, right? It's more than double to fill up their cars. When they go to the grocery stores, they can barely put to, together a salad for like 50 bucks, right? So your bag of groceries is over 50 bucks now. And they're feeling this because they have big families. Latinos believe in family. They love to eat. Everybody loves to eat. Loves to drive. Everybody has you have to drive in Florida to get anywhere, right? So you feel that those policies 
And they're smarter. They're smarter than people believe. I honestly believe that the Haitians, Dominicans, Puerto Ricans, Brazilians, Colombians, Venezuelans, everybody that you have, Mexicans flooding to Florida, even the Asians um, vote Republican. They see it and they saw it with President Trump and they're seeing it now, right? Because they had, even if they're a newer generation to Florida, like say they came during the Obama era, they're seeing the difference with presence, right? It went from right. $5 a gallon with Obama down to $1.50 for a gallon for gas with President Trump. I mean, everybody was thriving with President Trump. Everybody was happy. Policies were good. Everybody felt secure. You were sleeping at night. You were you were looking at Twitter hoping for a mean tweet because it made your day. And <laughs> um, and they like that. And I think they see that. I think we're in Florida where you got the blue demographics going the most part is where you go into these blue communities and it's like a it's mostly like your typical New Yorkers that come down for six months and a day from Connecticut, and you have, I think, like a huge population of New Yorkers and Northerners that are, you know, used to, but now Florida's leading. Uh, I believe they just took the lead, right? Republicans and demographics, yeah. right? Republicans outnumber Democrats and demographics. So I think you everybody saw with Trump, because there's a lot of first generation Latinos, Cubans, everybody down there that came during the Obama years. And then they saw Trump, America first, because they all came from like communist dictatorships, uh, you know, Venezuela, Cuba, right? Haiti. Yeah. So they all came from these countries. Even even if you go to like Russia, Croatia, Albania, Turkey that are down there in Miami area, they all came from these communist countries and they know America first. This is it. Yeah. You could do a capitalist country. You're free to do as you like. You have a bill of rights here. You have your freedoms, liberties, and you can see how that's being supported. DeSantis supports it almost daily. He's like, I, I love what he's doing for the state and helping to secure that against, you know, President Biden's disinformation, unit out of Department of Homeland Security and all this other off agenda kind of stuff they're trying to do to divide the country to try to drive their agenda. So they're smart, you know, and they see it. So I think you're going to see a lot of, uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't know your your uh, your political posturing down there as of the moment because I believe Rubio's got some. Does he have any trouble, or is he doing well? I think he's doing pretty well. Um, you know, yeah. by I think so. I I live in Fort Lauderdale, which which is pretty blue, right? But but one of the things I'm, I'm seeing more more and more is I'm, I mean I don't know personally any blue voters and and. You know, I, I talk to a lot of people every day, right? Um, you know, like there there might be one or two, but like I just don't. And it's it's not because the way I see it is this, it's not because people are overly like right wing, right? Like that th I don't think that's the reason. I, I don't consider myself like extremely right wing. The 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 reason I think we're seeing this is because at the end of the day. The things that make us human, our love of family, right? The desire to live free and and do what we want to do. The desire to be able to protect ourselves. The desire to be able to raise our children without the government telling us what we should do or having the government put things in their heads. I think these are all human elements that transcend race, 
and and even sexual orientation i'll say you know uh, a lot of the people i see in the gay community down here who are married they have kids they're trying to raise a family they want to they, they they want their kids to grow up you know in a safe place they want their kids to 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 you know not suffer i think these things are transcending all of those barriers and that's why i think you're seeing republicans get more and more traction lately because that is where um you know, and I hate to say this, but it, and that's where the common sense is these days. You know, it's it's definitely not on the far left. Um, and and I I think one of the problems is that over the past few years, even if you're like center left, um, the left has has said, oh no, you're a Nazi. You know, and 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 that's the issue. And so you, you you're driving more people to to the right. And and you know, I think. Um, comes down to that man and i think that's the secret if, if the republican party wants to 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 win and and make sustained wins it, it's focusing on those things that it, it it classically has in the past which is family all right making making sure america is successful uh making sure that we're all safe and and you know sticking to common sense elements like that and you know that's 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 my whole take on it you know yeah bringing its basics for sure right let yeah. me um let me ask you this, uh, you know, you, you know, a lot of people, right. And I, I think when you're looking at a freshman in Congress, one of the things that happens, and this is what happens typically in the house of representatives, but it also happens in the Senate as well. When you have a freshman come in, that freshman typically has to make connections in order to get anything done. Right. Um, but, but you, I know that, you know, a, a good amount of people, what would, what would your strategy be to um, to get the uh, the legislation you want implemented done while you're in the Senate? So I think where I would strategize first and foremost, right? I'd probably fire every single person that went to work with me, every staff member that was related to Blumenthal, totally get rid of. And I just hired brand new people. I have my chief of staff, right? Mm -hmm. My chief of staff would definitely vet with a few others and line ourselves with a great staff, right? Because I, I believe the staff's around 200 people for a U.S. senator. So there, right, day one, done. Anything related to a Democrat, out of my office, right? And then I'd go to work with the Freedom Caucus and the House of Representatives, Jim Jordan, uh, Warren Davidson, um, Ted Yoho is no longer there, but everybody in the Freedom Caucus that want to do things like implement term limits, some other things, they're for your freedoms, no mandates and stuff like that. And I'd work on stuff like that, securing your rights, freedoms and liberties. I definitely would like to work on some side note stuff too, where we ha I could develop some committees to, to do stuff like help Colonel Schweller. Sue Scheller. Yep. Scheller. I've had him on the podcast. Yeah, I would love to do things like that to try to get these Marines that try to hold their leadership accountable for that right. botched Afghanistan withdrawal. I would definitely love to try to see him get his rank back mm -hmm. um, and bring him back into the fold somehow and stuff like that. So where I would work on legislation is literally just tackling it as like a business person and firing anybody that's a Democrat around me. No if and or buts. If I can or can't, right? Because government's made it almost impossible to fire anybody that's a, a government employee. 
but I would love to just terminate any way that's Democrat around me. And then I would just go through the ranks, right? I have to work with McConnell, Graham, Cotton, um, Pauly, Blackburn, Hyde. I mean, I would literally just have to go through the ranks of just trying to get legislation worked on. So you got, you got an old guard there that you'd have to work with for sure. So looks like this year you're definitely going to probably get maybe Herschel Walker for U.S. Senator. Um, you know, flipping these signed seats is big. So, I mean, he's going after a first-timer, Warnock. Um, we'll see. So I, I feel like that that would be my best bet to work on legislation as a boot recruit in office is literally put a new team together that's smart, knowledgeable, knows the terrain, knows the hill, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to have to bring them back into the fold because they probably left, right? They've been gone right. for 12 years. That Blumenthal has been in office. Mm -hmm. So you'll have to bring people in from the hill back into the ranks that know what they're doing, know how to move the ball down the field. And then we're going to have to move the ball down the field. That's what we're going to have to do. So, but I, I want to do America first policies. That's it. I don't want to function. I don't want to be a bipartisan partisan Senator, I don't want to be a Mitch, you know, a Mitt Romney or Susan Collins or Lisa Murkowski. I don't want to, I don't want to be a Republican name only. I want to be a, a for the people Republican only Senator that would never, you know, cave to the left. I won't vote for progressive liberal judges. You know, I'm going to stay focused and just fight for the American public. And that's it. I mean, literally, I think just play hardball. And I think Cotton Hawley, uh, Cruz, Rubio, they need a guy like me on their team that will be steadfast in what he says and does, right? That'll support your rights and freedoms. And you, and that's basically what I want to do in D.C. and Connecticut. Awesome. Awesome. Um, you know, I guess the last question is this, man. Um, you know, what what would be the first thing that you worked on? At the moment, I think the first thing that you're going to come down the pipeline is something to do with gun rights, mm -hmm. right? And uh, your Second Amendment shall not be infringed. So, I mean, I basically vote no to any gun measures. I'm against red flag laws and all that other stuff as it is. So I think what you're going to see coming down the pipe for January next year is anything gun related. You're going to see, uh, you might see some more Russia stuff, mm -hmm. you which might be sad right? right um you might you're definitely gonna probably see who knows where the uh, democrats try to play this monkey pox and the, the covid for the midterms so you might right. see some more mandates come into effect here and i'm against medical mandates so i would be that would probably be one of the first things i worked on also when i get sworn in january 20th next year is i'd work on mandates uh, securing your gun rights and and uh, working on the CRT stuff to get removed from schools and curriculum, SEL, CRT, keep the men out of the female sports. Those are probably the first things I work on as your senator. Next would be border security, energy independence, uh, election integrity. Awesome, man. Well, that's all I got, man. Um, do you want to leave the audience with anything? Yes, please. Uh, please look into my website, hideforsenate.com. H-Y-D-E for Senate.com. And I appreciate your time and everything you do for the community, Chris. Absolutely, man. I, uh, like I said, I want to acknowledge you. Um, you've helped a lot of people. Um, 
you, I've known you for, God, how long have I known you now? Since 1999. So, God, what is that? Almost like, I think we're going on 25 years, 22, 20, no, like 22 years. Yeah, yeah. So, like, friggin', I'm not good at math. I'm a Marine. But, um, yeah, man. So, I've known you for a long time. You've always been an honest, uh, straightforward person. Um, friggin', always somebody who's had a lot of passion for what you do. And, and I've seen you carry that passion over here to the political realm. And, you know, I think that you're somebody who's going to be like that entirely through anything you do. Um, and I'll say, you know, for, as somebody who's known you for, for this long, um, Rob Hyde is who he says he is. I, that's, that, that's exactly it. You know, he's going to do everything that he says he's going to do. He's going to, he's going to work to carry out every project that, that, uh, that comes across his plate and try to execute it properly. And, and uh, I think, you know, this, the people of the great state of Connecticut will get an honest straight shooter as a Senator and somebody who's going to work to, uh, to, to implement exactly everything he promised on. So that's my take on the whole thing. Awesome. Chris, I wear that Metroflex t-shirt. Like it's my job, buddy. <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome, man. Yeah, dude. That was, uh, that's, what was, uh, the, what was the slogan? It was squat bar goes here or, uh, now who sheds his blood with me today shall oh, be my brother forever. For he today who sheds his blood with me shall be my brother. Yeah. yeah. Nice. William Shakespeare. Yeah, man. Awesome, brother. Well, to everybody out there, uh, go ahead and, uh, and hit up hideforsenate.com. Um, what's your social media handle? Are you on Instagram or Twitter or anything like that? Yeah, Hide for Senate. Hide for uh, Senate. At Hide for Senate. Uh, at Robert F. Hyde one um and hide for senate.com awesome man awesome thank you so much go check that out and listen you guys get out there learn um you know follow up on these issues take a role in your local government right we need more people to do that more veterans to do that uh and i think the more we do that the more the world's going to be a better place get out there and live your best lives while you can this is chris and rob And we are out.